Full transparency. I understand the world better than anyone. There's sounds in the sky. The rapture is coming. Yeah. There's lizard people out there. We had a shop in Mormon when we lived in Mormon. Our family was in Mormon. Full fists are swinging by my face. I'm like, and then he would just kind of go on these little rants or tangent, tangent, whatever the word is. Nothing that's great in life is is easy, you know? Yeah. There's a nice quote that I feel like you're on your way to say. <laughs> so I got to ask you a question. Um, it, people are probably sick of hearing about this already, but I just haven't had a chance to talk to you. Chris Rock and Will Smith, what do you, what do you think? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing to talk about now, eh? It's the good old distraction while they fucking probably do a bunch of other shit yeah. behind the scenes. But. We're late, but I want to know what you think because my opinion, I had one opinion and then after a couple of days, I had pretty much an opposite opinion about it. Oh, yeah, I don't know, man. Aaron and I were talking about this. Um, for one, I think more people in the world deserve to get slapped. And I, I don't mind when people get hit every now and then. I, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I think that it definitely sends the wrong message with how the venue handled it in allowing Will Smith to just continue to sit down and like receive an award and like talk afterwards. Yeah. I feel like it puts a target on comedians. Like, you know, that it almost just showed that it's okay if you get offended by a joke that you can just go up there and slap someone in the face or punch them. I think it sends the wrong message in that case. Um, I think Will Smith was clearly going through some shit for him to respond that way, if it was real. It's another part of me. I still don't know if it's real or not. I genuinely, Hollywood is, they're professional actors. They're incredibly good, specifically Will Smith. Do you think just to give attention to their name or what would be the... The Oscars. Nobody watches the Oscars. Hollywood's dying. They know it. People yeah. don't pay attention to that. They're on YouTube. They're watching podcasts. Like Hollywood is literally That's starting true. to die. And they knew that. They knew the ratings <clears throat> were worse than they've ever been. So what better way to have something insane like that happen with like superstars like Will Smith and Chris Rock? That's a good point. So I, I don't really know, man. It's so hard to know what's what's real, what's not. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Will, if it was real, I think Will Smith lost his cool and he did something fucking stupid. Yeah. He assaulted someone that was a lot weaker than him and he knew yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just weird. It was weird that he laughed at the joke and then saw his wife not laughing. She was like offended. And then he like pursued to like get up and slap someone. And I missed that part. I seen her being offended, but I didn't see him initially laughing at it. Yeah, he was laughing. He laughed at the joke and then he must have seen that she wasn't having it. And so he's like, oh, like I got to <laughs> defend, defend my, my wife or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that it's just weird that you can assault someone in front of millions of people and embarrass them in front of millions of people, sit down, receive an award, and then just continue on with your life and make an apology. Like, I feel like in any other setting, if you assault someone, security's there to take you out. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just going to escort you out. You're, yeah. you're, a, you're a threat. You just fucking hit someone. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts? When I initially seen it, I was just in bed at the hotel room and I see it. I was... At first, I was like, good man. I was like, I like Will Smith. I like how he gracefully walked up, slapped his ass, and you know, fixed his tie, and yeah. gracefully sat down. And I was like, there needs to be consequences. Like, you're talking shit. Like, he didn't, he didn't hit him with a closed fist. He went and slapped him up and sat down and said, keep my wife's name out of your mouth, you know? Yeah. And then after, I, I completely agree with you. It, it, it wasn't a manly thing. It was a weak thing. It was an emotional thing. It was a, it was a you know... 
knee-jerk reaction, very childish, very emotional. And I completely agree with you that it sets the wrong precedent for comedians. Chris Rock is there doing his job to roast people in a very PG kind of a roast. It wasn't... Dude, the joke was so PG. Very mild. It, it wasn't. It wasn't saying that she was ugly. It wasn't making fun of her. The um, what, what is it called that she has? She has something that actually, alopecia. Yeah, alopecia. He wasn't even making fun of that. He's saying you have a buzz cut. Yeah. Here's because, your next role. Yeah. The 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 person in the role had like a shaved head. They're a military person. You were literally just saying you look like GI Joe, which in 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 a lot of ways could be a compliment. GI Joe's a fucking <clears throat> badass. Or like that, the GI mil- Jane. Or GI Jane. Yeah. Sorry, GI <laughs> Joe. Um, yeah, GI Jane. Fucking badass. Yeah. So it, it the the joke was like, and again, I get it. I mean, I'm sure maybe Jado's like had a lot of struggles with that. And here's my other point: Who was at the Oscars last time? Ricky Gervais. Ruthless. Comedian. Oh yeah, he was going hard. In the he band. went so hard. Rated <laughs> R jokes. Calling everybody out personally. And so if, if I was a professional actor or actress and I'm going to this show in which you know they hired a comedian to roast you, why would you go there not have your emotions in check? Why would you go there being sensitive? Why would you go there like acting like a child when you know damn well that comedian's paid to roast you? Yeah. Don't go to the shows if you get all butthurt over this shit. You know, and so like, yeah, it just just seemed fucking weird and like really childish to me. That's why I'm like, was this real? Yeah. Or is this some kind of fucked up act? Because everybody's talking about the Oscars now. 100%. Everybody. It's the biggest news in the world. Like now it's probably passed a bit, but it was the biggest thing. It's bigger than the fucking Ukraine shit. Yeah. Nobody's talking about that for a little while. It was all just Chris Rock slapped or Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Yeah. You know? And I agree with you about it doesn't set the right stage. Like... For people to think, maybe think that it's okay to go and harass a comedian now for doing their job, which is picking people apart. Like, that's not okay. No. You, you can't go do that. You can't interrupt the show. This isn't about you. Yeah. It was very emotional. Well, and that was the other thing people were saying is like, you know, I think Will Smith knew there was going to be no physical repercussions and that's why he did it. And that's another very weak trait. Like, could you imagine if Brendan Schaub was up there or Joe Rogan and he went to do that? <laughs> imagine Joe Rogan. It's so, it's so funny how that would have went down. I bet you Joe would have like, he, cause he, he probably would have been slapped and then he probably would have like grabbed him after and like headlocked him and like guillotined him or like, <laughs> well, so, the, and this is, so maybe he wouldn't have been slapped because I heard Jocko Willing talk about this and like, I, I liked what he said. And this is like a reminder for everybody. Like you could get hit at the most random times throughout the day. If someone's approaching you in a, in an aggressive manner, you don't stand there with your hands down. You put your hands up right away and you get in an athletic base. Yeah. And Jocko was like, look, this is one-on-one defense. Yeah. If you see like another male or another person approaching you, get ready. Like it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean you're going to square up with them. But like you can't just stand yeah. there and put like... Put your hands behind your back and like chin out. Yeah, man. And so like it's just like basic defense one-on-one. <laughs> like get in a stance, have your hands up. Like you just don't know what's going to happen. I wonder what Chris Rock was thinking. Like it was probably a very uncomfortable, it happened fast, but I wonder if he thought Will was going to come up and say something to him or grab the mic. Well, <laughs> I, I think he knew because I think it was, it was all a facade. I think it was yeah. fake as yeah. fuck. <laughs> Definitely could be, man. I don't know. Like Who it knows? makes sense. It brought all the eyes to the Oscars, but. And again, crazy. like when you think about, I don't know, like we, we know Will Smith as, as just someone who's 
calm, cool, collected. Yeah, good and, character, right? Yeah, and like, to, and I've heard his, I've heard him on podcasts. I've heard Jada on podcasts. <clears throat> Super like wise woman. She's been through so much. For her to like get that hurt by like a, a joke like that, considering what she's been through. Yeah, man, I'm just like, there's. It just seems weird. Seems like a Hollywood move, yeah. but who knows, man. The one thing I don't understand, if it was real, is. You know, if you're in a marriage for 20 years and up and down marriage, who knows the kind of emotions that they're dealing with? Who knows what happened to them earlier that day? It's, you never know, but yeah, it was, it was silly, man. That was one of my first reactions was like, what happened to Will Smith's family recently that made them so emotionally charged? Yeah. Like if, if this was a real incident, like something and they, their family's been through <clears throat> a lot. Um, and so like, yeah, that was one of the first things my brain thought about was like, what are the, what's going on in their life? Yeah. Cause that's not like, things aren't just normal and you got offended by that joke and you fucking assault someone. Yeah. You know? Crazy. It's, yeah. It's wild. wild. Crazy. Anyways. You had a competition. On. Yeah. I just got back from Edmonton this week. Um, Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu in Edmonton. And, um, I'll just, I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of recap it a little bit. So it's funny, the last few tournaments I've done, I have the weight, I don't, I don't like to call it a weight cut because I'm not cutting water, but uh, my, my weight loss program, I have, I've been writing it out, you know, for the last couple competitions where I mark down what I weigh at night, what I weigh in the morning, and I pretty much have it down to a science of how to just lose a pound a day, you know, a pound and a half a day, you know, I lose like two to 2.4 pounds every night just of water, and so I have it calculated where, it works well. And this is the first time that I, I didn't overdo it. You know, I've, I've said mm, before I come yeah. in like five pounds under cause I'm scared. I'm not going to make weight. So many people do that, man. <laughs> Me included. Yeah. Hey, cause it's the worst yeah. thing, you know, you, you don't, yeah, it's, it's the worst thing when you just don't do your job. You, you want to be professional. Yeah. You want to be more prepared instead of ill prepared. So you, you take it too far. And, right. And, uh, and normally I'm on weight like a week early and then, you know, I, I just look and feel kind of depleted and, so this time was perfect. It was like right down to, to the day. Um, I like even the day before I wasn't on weight yet. I was still a little heavier and it worked perfectly. Um, this, this tournament was, was huge because, uh, prior I compete late morning or I compete in the afternoon. And when they posted the brackets on Friday, my first match was until like seven fifteen PM. And my second, my Nogi division didn't start till eight thirty PM. I was like, are you serious? And, um, and there was a lot of confusion on when weigh-ins were like a lot of people thought you can't weigh in until 40 minutes before your match. Mm. So I was thinking, am I going to have to just sit around in the hotel all day and starve myself? Right. But luckily I got to weigh in in the morning at like 1130, which was Recharge. awesome. Yeah. We went back, we went for lunch. I ate a bunch of shit and, um, went and like had a little nap and just laid around and stretched, whatever, went for a walk, did, did a bunch of shit. So that was good. But, um, it was it was good to finally just get to compete, you know? Yeah. Like what happened in November there when my guy didn't show up and right. I went through all that for nothing. And and this seemed like a, a bigger one too. Like it seemed like there was a lot more people, which increases yeah. like the anxiety or the, like the fear of competing. Cause there's like, there's more spectators. Yeah. It's like a bigger thing. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a lot more people. There was, um, there's a big kids division. There was like 810 people that signed up for this or whatever. Wow. So, um, but, uh, what happened at one of my blue belt tournaments was I, because it's all, it's all, um, in real time, you have to watch your schedule on the website and your matches just change throughout it's the like day a flight almost You're at the airport, watching your flight get canceled, delayed or whatever, yeah. moved around. 
And um, it happened at Bluebelt where I, it just came way too fast. Like something happened with the previous matches and it jumped like half an hour prior. And I didn't even get a chance to warm up. I remember rushing to put my gi on, oh, did shit. some quick jumping jacks. Oh, this jacks. is the old, this is the blue belt one? Yeah. Okay. A couple years back and a few years back and did some jumping jacks, got on the mat and I won the first match, but I was so gassed. I had the worst cotton mouth. My arms felt like a hundred pounds. I was, my lungs, I just, I felt gassed. And I later, I later learned that like you need to break that sweat like you need a good warm-up if you don't want to feel that you almost need that second wind you need to compete totally. at the second wind yeah like burn your first wind out and then you're like kind of warmed up and ready to go totally so i was smarter this tournament i i just i got a really good warm-up in by myself doing a bunch of shit i was like dripping with sweat already and then they called my name and um you know it's it's been it's been a while so it's it's a nerve-wracking thing and it's funny before you're called out onto the mat you have to look confident and strong on the outside, but inside you're like, I don't want to do this right now. <laughs> poker face, man. You know? One of those powerful things in competing yeah. is a poker face. Totally. Showing your opponent that you're ready to go and yeah. like you feel ready, confident, invincible, even though, yeah, you might be like sick, injured, <clears throat> gassed. Yeah, just nervous, anxious. Nervous. Yeah you know doubting yourself questioning yourself and so i got on the mat and i just remember like looking across it at my guy like just confident but inside i'm like you know just like a anxious little kid and um it's funny sometimes you think about like vanderlei silva when he's like doing this and like, oh. it's like he's like really injured and terrified but he just looks like an axe murderer yeah you know totally <laughs> and so um anyways i my first i before the tournament i looked at the guy i was competing at first and he had he had competed in like nine matches um, and he had won every one of them by submission. I was like, fuck. Prior in the same day or this like a, in, his... in his like history of oh, this okay. tournament or whatever. I see. Cause this is uh, it was the Alberta spring open, but this is like their provincials. I, mm -hmm. I think they have, I think they have a uh, one each season. And at the end of the year, whoever accumulates the most points, you're the provincial champ. Oh, that's cool. So um, yeah, it's a bigger tournament in Alberta, but uh so I was like, okay, this first match is going to be a tough one. Like this guy's a finisher. He's competed lots. And, um, yeah, it was tough. Honestly, dude, my first match, I was pretty much defending the whole time. Mm. Like he, he, I had this takedown I wanted to use and he just kind of pulled guard right away. And, um, he had my back. He had me in side control. I was just defending. And, uh, I'm, I'll admit I'm a slow starter, but, but I, I do believe that I can um, I can find the finish. Like I think I'm dangerous right to the end, even if I'm getting beat. Like I believe that I can find the finish, and that's a mistake or not a mistake. That's that's something I need to work on. Is mm -hmm. maybe fighting more for the dominant position initially, and right. instead of reacting and playing catch up and just being okay with that style. Right. Like I need to you know hold my ground a little more initially. But a lot of fighters are like that. Hey, they have slow starts, yeah. and it, like you said, it does put a lot of pressure on at the end. Because if you mm -hmm. do have a slow start, you're already down in points, right? And so you, you get like a little bit of desperado. 100%. You know. So anyways, there's about 15 seconds left in the match. It's a six-minute match. And he he puts me in a guillotine. And so he has my neck and he's rolling into like mount me. And in the transition, I'm like just about to start fighting the hands. He's like rolling into mount. And I feel my rib like click, click. And I've had this before. It's I think it's an intercostal like cartilage tear i've had it on both sides and i knew right away that feeling mm. 
and it all happened so fast. I was defending the choke. I felt my rib. I tapped, and I was like, "Fuck!" Uh, and I was I was less uh, less concerned about tapping. I was more concerned about my rib because this is the type of injury that's had me off out of rolling for six to eight weeks before. I know it's a long recovery. It takes a lot of time for the blood to get there and repair and heal it's itself. It's a fragile and injury, hey? It is, man. It's a, it's a shitty one. You can't, apparently, like, that you can't just tape them up like you used to see back in the day. They used to just put that bandage around you. Okay. But because your ribs need to expand, they learned that they can't constrict it. Mm. So if they're trying to, like, you know, keep it secure, you'll, you'll like, almost, like, suffocate your own lungs because your, your body will get used <laughs> to, like squishing them that way so you almost need the room to breathe so you have to just like kind of move around with like a loose rib while it's healing yeah so it's tough to to bandage it or take care of it and i remember Dwayne, he was because he's had this injury our black belt and uh he said one of the best things that he's learned to do is just opening your ribs up like doing Mm -hmm. different stretches and positions where you're just really wide and open and doing that regularly even though it kind of it kind of hurts you know yeah um so anyways this match happens and i'm i'm bummed out because i'm just like am i gonna have to pull out now because like i don't think i can roll honestly and um so i'm feeling it and i can feel it's like inflamed and take a deep breath stretch it's 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 tight and i'm like fuck and then I just, you know, I had about 15 minutes until my next match. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be sore tomorrow regardless. I, like, I have to. I can't just quit now. Like, I have to. Don't think about the whole tournament. Just one match at a time. Yeah. Just get through my next match. And, uh, you know, just roll with a little more finesse. Like, be careful. Be in a, you know, have a good solid foundation. Don't do any wild shit. Right. And just try to win the match. So I decided to do that. And right before going on this time like when we were the next match i had a new guy and i was just kind of like um i had like a little more like anger inside i was like i didn't fucking come here to lose like i'm winning this match like there's no way this guy's gonna beat me Mm. i just have to get this win so we went and um there's like i said there was a takedown i wanted to try and i i kind of hit it but he defended a bit and we tussled and then i eventually ended up getting it and um yeah this one was way better like i took his back i was trying to choke him i couldn't get it i eventually got a submission and then i was like fuck yeah like i got through the match my ribs okay on so that was for the bronze medal in the gi division so i i was like you know what at least i won a match i got a finish i'm happy my rib didn't get too irritated that match let's go to nogi so i had it again just one step at a time you know and my nogi match i won by submission and i was like okay my rib is okay you know Mm. And then I lost, um, I, I had the same guy. Yeah, I saw he was on the podium with double gold. Yeah, yeah. And Nogi. Yeah, he, I, so I had the same guy for the gold medal match in the Nogi, and he guillotined me again. Really? And was this, he better in a gi or Nogi, did you feel? Um, did you feel like, yeah, superior in either or? Um, I don't know. My match with Nogi was more competitive. It was just pretty much a stalemate for like three or four minutes. It was mm-hmm. just... He wasn't dominant. I wasn't dominant. We were just like, you know, Delaheva, reverse Delaheva on the feet, uh, defending a takedown. Like it was just very back and forth. And then there's about two minutes left in the match, and I I took him down. And obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I it was a bit of a lazy takedown. We were getting a little tired at this point, and left my neck open again. And mm. when I when we fell down, he took my neck, and 
So this time he locks up the guillotine and that fucking Kurt Southern squeeze. Yeah. He, and, and this dude was strong. He kind of looked like Wolverine. Like when he took his yes, shirt off, he looked strong. He, um, like he, he kind of just reminded me of like a country boy. He had that like country strength, Yeah, but he was just like a hairy, strong, strong dude. And, uh, uh he, uh, it, it was like, um, you know, I hurt my rib in the guillotine the first match. So as soon as he got this, as opposed to thinking about that, I started to think about my rib again. And like, I'm like, Oh, it might like stretch me out worse. So again, it all happened so fast. And he did have a tight, secure lock. Next thing you know, I tapped. Mm, you should yeah, have just like, done a pull to Michael Johnson against Donovan Bailey. As soon as, so do you know that about that race? I so, don't believe so. So I think his name's Michael Johnson, Canadian guy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right, running against Donovan Bailey. There's a lot of controversy around it, but um, right off the blocks, like it was like a hundred meter race or whatever, right off the blocks, Donovan Bailey just blew him out of the water. And then Michael Johnson just pretended to blow his hammy. And he's like, ah, ah. <laughs> he kind of like, just like stumbled and was like, oh, like he didn't beat me. Like I've got injured. Wow. And so it's like, he should have been like, oh, my rib. Like I didn't fucking tap. I just yeah. like blew my rib out. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. And, and it's, it's. You want to keep your mind positive, but it was hard for me to keep out of my head. Like I just pictured as I'm going into my next matches, something happening where I had to stop and like tap out of nowhere and be like, oh, like right. I can't continue. I was like, don't think about that. Like don't manifest that stupid thing. But, right. but anyways, I, um, yeah, so I, I tapped and you know, it was, it was shitty. And, uh, but in the end I was pumped, you know, I was like, look, I had to kind of get through that adversity. I, I won a couple matches. I wanted to win by submission. I didn't want to win by points. So I got a couple subs. I got to finish all my matches. I got to compete. I got yeah. to go through the motions. And um, I was okay with it. You know, I, it, was a, it was a great experience. Obviously, I didn't get gold, which is what I wanted. But um, like anything, you learn from it, you know. And I, um, yeah, you know, you look back in retrospect and you, you just always question, like, could I have fought that a little more, you know? Right. Could I have just beat him to the jump a little more? But it is what it is. So, and it's it's kind of cool in, in some ways that you did have that rib injury because it does make the little victories that much sweeter. Yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of people, they probably wouldn't have continued. Yeah. The rib injuries are scary, man. Yeah, man. And so for you to, like, have that and feel that and have had it, rib injuries before and kind of know what they entail and mm -hmm. what the recovery thing is, that just makes it that much sweeter to get, like, a couple victories and to actually be yeah. able to compete and know that you push through it, you know? It was, man. And it wasn't, like, an arm joint where it's like, okay, I can't use my one arm. It's, like, the core of your body. Yeah. You know? So there's no avoiding it. Yeah. And also... You know, my, my girlfriend came up with me in November, didn't get to see me compete. And then she just sees me get my ass kicked in my first match. And I'm like, I want to show her how much just a piece of shit out yeah. here. Yeah, she so, just is like, fuck, this guy's beta. <laughs> so it felt good to just, you know, like you, strangle you a couple You see her like touching both. the thigh of like the guy that got golden both. She'd say, hey, like, where do you train out of? Uh, no, she wasn't digging the way that guy looked. She had her comments about that that oh, guy. Yeah. But, um, hairy fucking dirty guy. <laughs> but do you know what? It, um, it felt good, you know, when you're at white belt, guys grab you, there's a lot of angst, there's a lot of nervous energy. Right. And uh, it felt good at purple belt to slow things down a bit, where people are a little more calm, you kind of take it slower. Technical. Yeah, more technical, and, and I truly felt like relaxed, like an open mat. I wasn't, like as soon as we slapped hands, the nerves were honestly yeah. gone. And yeah. it just felt like a normal roll. I, I didn't feel pressure, I was able to breathe. You know, sometimes you gas just from, like the, the adrenaline, the nervous the energy, the yeah. dumb. I didn't feel that this time. You know, I felt good, controlled. And 
it, it's like anything after it was done I was um, you know you get that sense of the more you compete the more comfortable it is and the yeah. more you realize there's no reason to work this up as a big thing like that's just what we do I, I saw I saw Steve post that he just he, uh, Steve Jellico he, he just finished like a squat program yeah and he was saying that he's like to be honest this is harder than fighting and I'm like for sure because when you're fighting you don't get to think about how shitty deadlifting is or how hard squatting is because you're so in the moment that you don't get to think about those things and so like a lot of things are harder than fighting it's the lead up to the fight that's the most challenging yeah. is to channel is to like control those emotions and yeah. to like have faith and confidence in yourself the fight itself or the jiu-jitsu match itself like you said once you slap bump and you you kind of touch hands and you and you grab each other it's just present moment now dude 100% and can't hear noises yeah so right. yeah, like I, I would imagine that, yeah, like a squat program where it's like, you don't have this like physical being in front of you trying to battle you. It's just you in this fucking bar. Yeah. So it's like, it's really challenging for your mindset to be a like, keep going, keep, you have to keep telling yourself to keep going, keep pushing, keep lifting, keep your posture, right? Keep your back straight. Totally, man. You know? Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of, I was just, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. You know, cause you're not, you're not in that zone. Yeah. In, in that way yeah it's very different but yeah that's a you against you type of thing hey? yeah yeah but um yeah that was pretty much it man and again we talked about this before you can't buy the feeling after even if you didn't you know win double gold right getting my feet back in there competing you yeah. know having some competitive matches getting some submissions I just felt awesome and you know yeah. it's like you're eating donuts after we went yeah. out for a drink and like a nice meal and I just indulged the rest of the weekend like really enjoyed it had the weight off my shoulders nice just enjoyed food and uh, it's just a good experience man like yeah. when you when you commit to something and you're dedicated and you're disciplined and you go through the physical and the mental adversity yeah and then you do the thing regardless of what happens you fucking show up and you do it you just have this light feeling after that is hard to get any other way yeah and it doesn't last forever it's a fleeting thing it might be two days it might be two weeks but you feel like you did something with purpose and um you just feel good yeah. you feel accomplished in whatever way that's awesome man yeah, yeah and purple so. belt's legit it's a high ranking to be competing at you know like jiu-jitsu yeah. is one of the longest hardest belt rankings to work your way up so purple belt like sure it just goes white blue purple but that purple is like no joke you know for sure and then the people that compete usually are the people that feel competent at that belt level yeah that feel like they can beat people right. from across the province so yeah it's it's, it's good man and I, I remember competing at white belt and seeing like somebody show up there with a purple belt and be like oh shit like there's a purple belt right. like, they're competing it's intense yeah and it's Fast funny you forward. just the years go through and you're yeah. in that position and and you still feel like the same white belt Right. You're questioning. You're like, am I supposed to be here? Right. It's funny. Hey, the white belt now are looking at you being like, fuck, there's a purple belt. And you're being like, fuck, am I supposed to be here? With the purple belt? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Eh? Yeah. But then you just have to remind yourself, this is what I do. Like I've put in the time. I've put in the work. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, nice. I love martial arts, man. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Change to change yeah. topics. Absolutely. Okay. So <clears throat> what do you got, sir? So I actually meant to fucking grab this guy's name before because I wanted to give him credit for his uh, 20 rules for young men. And I feel, I feel like, uh, so I did, I basically just wrote what he had as the list and I'm like, this would be kind of a fun little thing. So each rule, I'm just going to say it. And then if an idea or like a, something sparks um, based off that rule, 
then we can just kind of get into some stories or whatever, but I'm just going to go down the list. And then at the very end, I thought about my own five rules to add to this. Okay. So we'll see, see where the conversation goes. Love it. I, I, his name is, I know it's got Pat and David in it. He's a really successful, I think he's an, like a, he's, is he East Indian? No. Fuck. I don't know where he's from. He's not East Indian. What, sorry. What's his name? Pat David. He's like a, he's been on Rogan's podcast. Yeah, he's okay. been on, yeah, he's a really successful entrepreneur. His, his YouTube channel is a uh, value entertainment or something like that. Okay. You would know him if you saw him and okay. it's driving me crazy. I didn't write his name down anyway. So 20 rules for young men. This guy just wanted to like make, he made a YouTube video. I watched it. Some ideas sparked. So I'm like, Oh fuck. I want to talk about this on the podcast. So rule number one was know the difference between lust and love. And I kind of like that for like young men because sometimes, or just young people in general, and again, these could apply to, to women as well, but he just made the video for young men. Know the difference between lust and love. Because I think a lot of people like, they'll just go <laughs> off of lust and they just want to like, they think they're in love just because they're super like attracted to that person. And they'll even say they're in love when really it's just lust. And so he was saying like for young people, like it's really important to be able to communicate your real emotions and to, to know the difference. Like there is a difference between just lusting against some hot babe and then actually like loving someone. Have you ever told a girl you love her when you knew deep down you, you didn't? 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And then I made a post about that yesterday. Do you know what? I seen it. <laughs> you didn't fucking read the <laughs> caption. No, I, I felt bad because <clears throat> my girl's always like, don't be on your phone while you drive. So she's like, she's all against it, which is great. Yeah. And I was driving and I pulled it out. You know, it's not great though. Skipping past my post, <laughs> Natalia. Hey. So I'm driving and I seen it and I was like, Ooh, I got to save this for later. Cause I actually want to read it. I don't yeah. just want to tap like, cause yeah. I see he put some time into it. So I'm like, you know, bookmark that for later. Yeah. And then uh, I, I told her and I was like, cause she said something like nice about your post. And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, I seen, it. but I was like, Oh, I didn't get a chance to read it yet mm. because I was, and I was like, Never mind. Never mind. I wasn't on my phone while I was driving. <laughs> yeah, it was a funny kind of laugh we had last night. But yeah. anyways. Yeah. So I, I, I guess just going off this, like, cause it does go hand in hand that, that post that I made. Um, it was basically like this exact thing with like lust and love in some ways where I think a lot of people have been in a relationship where they say, I love you, but I guess this is a little bit different because a lot of people, when they say, I love you, they don't actually love that person for who they are. They love them based on their own version they've created in their head of that person. Like, I love you if you fulfill this made up version of you I have in my head. Like, like I, if you it's just- It's a conditional love? It's a conditional love. So like, let's say like, I, I love you if you could just be like a little bit more into spirituality with me. I would love you if you could just like eat this vegan diet because it means a lot to me. I love you if you would just do this, just do that. And so you're like loving them based on the hopes that they actually change to who you want them to be. So you don't actually love them for, for who, who they, they are. are. You love them on the, with the conditions. There's something attached to it. Yeah. Um, and then just to kind of go off the post again, um, Aubrey Marcus talked about this because this Bradley Martin asked him, he's like, why do you think we love people with, with conditions? He's like, because we love ourselves with conditions. 
We don't love ourselves moment to moment. You love yourself based off whether or not you do good in a jiu-jitsu competition, whether or not you make a certain amount of money, whether you look a certain way, whether you lose 20 pounds, whether this or that. There's always like these conditions that we give ourselves, then we can feel proud and love ourselves. Mm. So it's like if we can't even love ourselves unconditionally, what? how would we love other people unconditionally? So yeah, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I thought that was a kind of a powerful <clears throat> thing. A little bit different than the lust and love thing, but kind of the same. Do you know what it's like too? It's um, obviously we want our partners to love us and be faithful to us and be all in with us. But it's that yin yang, it's that mirror effect. The only way you can expect them to love you that much is if you truly love them that much, you are truly faithful, you're not fucking around in any way and you are completely all in with them. Mm -hmm. Or of course it's not gonna reciprocate back to you. Yeah. That's the... That's how it has to be. Yeah. And I think a huge part of it, and I heard Tate Fletcher say this a while ago, <laughs> and I saw a post recently about this, but it was like, if you're in a relationship with someone, they shouldn't be your number one priority. Your goal and your life purpose should be. Because if they're your number one priority and you put your own dreams on the back burner, the relationship will suffer. Mm. So like, I, I feel like, that's a healthy way to look at it where it's like, you know, with, with Aaron or, you know, if you're in a relationship, like I, I really want her to focus on her own shit. I want her to do really well with that because yeah. I know that will make her happy. It will bring her fulfillment. And if she's happy and feels fulfilled and feels passionate about what she's doing, that will trickle in and it will like help support our relationship. But if I'm taking from her path and her dream, like, and she prioritizes me over her shit, there's going to be resentment eventually. I was going to say one word, resentment. Resentment. Yeah. So yeah, like that's, that's kind of like, I, we always hear like, oh, you're my number one. Yeah. I should be your number two. I hope I'm your number two. Yeah. I want your own shit to be your number one priority and I, I'll come second. I'll help support you on your path. Yeah. But yeah, don't prioritize me over your own shit, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's, that was kind of my goal. See, it's like, that was, that was lesson number one. Yeah. <laughs> Rule number one. Let's go. Let's go. Um, number two, it's okay to go to the movies alone. So he said that a lot of people get really anxious and scared to ever be alone or you feel like a loser. He said it's a really good habit and trait to get into to go to a coffee shop by yourself, to go out for dinner by yourself, to go see a movie by yourself. That way you're not like always so desperate to, ha to need somebody's company. And, if, and it's more attractive of a trait if you're okay being alone. Like you and I got messages like that all the time when we were like single all the time. Cause people were like, how the fuck are you guys like okay with just like not being in relationships? And a lot of people, it's literally, they just can't stand the idea of being alone. So even if that person sucks, they just want them in their life. Yeah. I just want someone in my life, even yeah. if they suck and we yeah. don't get along. Totally. It's better than being alone. So yeah, that was lesson number two. Yeah, that's one thing you and I haven't had a problem with. Like no. we will easily go out for lunch by ourselves, yeah. go to a coffee shop by ourselves, go for a walk by ourselves and yeah. not feel weird about it. No, it's enjoyable. <clears throat> I really like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, three, and some of these we're just going to burn through. Three is hygiene. You know, that's pretty basic. But to be honest, I low key kind of prided myself in being a dirty hippie van lifer. And so sometimes I would just, I would excuse my lack of hygiene for the sake of like, oh, I'm just a van lifer. People don't expect anything else from mm -hmm. me. But after hearing this, I, I like legitimately was like, you need to increase your hygiene, bro. Yeah. So I went, I texted Aaron and I sent her the picture and I bought like a little bottle of cologne from Winners. 
And I was like, I won't smell like mildew anymore. <laughs> and just like, yeah, so it's just basic hygiene stuff. Because yeah. sometimes you don't think like you you stink. And like, it's not fun being around someone who doesn't smell good. And it's probably the hardest thing to bring up. You're yeah. in love with someone and you're like, hey, like, you got to brush your teeth. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was number three. Number four, uh, never date a friend's ex. So that happened to me and I think I've talked about this before. So I, I dated a girl for four years and in that four years, one of my friends who is a legit friend, this wasn't just an acquaintance. This was a friend. Like we would like hang out. Like we, we traveled together at one point. Um, we went to coffee together. Like, yeah, we, just, we were fucking friends. Legit. Legit friends. A week after I broke up with this girl, after four years of dating, we lived together, all that stuff. After four years, it took one week for that guy to fuck her. You can imagine where my head went. Like, I just was like, oh, never again will I ever trust you or look at you as a friend ever again. Yeah. You completely broke that trust, completely ruined the relationship that we had. And I, I called him and I talked to him and I said, look, like if I see you in public, nothing, I'm not going to do anything. It is what it is. Like I'll still get along with you. I'll interact with you with other people. But I was like, I'll never view you the same. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to get in, I'm going to come back to this eventually <clears throat> based off my five rules. But he just kind of talked about like, you got to control your cock. Like, is it really worth it to ruin your reputation and ruin a friendship just to bust a nut? And he said it, it is so rare that it actually works out. It's usually like, oh, you think it's a great idea because you're super horny, super into it. It happens. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, the shame and the guilt that follow that is probably insane. Like, I wonder what he felt like once he did it. And he's like, oh, wow. I literally just slept with my, one of my good friends, ex-girlfriend after four fucking years. And I haven't talked to him since then. I don't care to talk to him. Don't hang out with him. I don't see him at all. So that's that. Says something about the girl too. For sure. But you know what? I've had instances not that extreme, but where somebody you love and trust as a friend shows their true true character in a situation like that. And I agree with you. I'm not going to walk up to you in the street and punch you in the face or I'm not going to ignore you forever. But it's like, I'm going to take a note of that yeah. and I'm going to see your lack of integrity and your character trait and uh, I won't hold a grudge, but it's like, I know where we stand now yeah. and forgive, that, but don't forget. Yeah. And that, that relationship is severed in a way that you, you can't ever get back. You, you can. just can't. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm not necessarily like, I didn't do anything like this, but just to not put the blame on anybody else. Like I've, I've been in somewhat of a, um, similar scenario where I was, I was dating this girl for about like a month, a month and a half before I found out that she was actually dating someone close to me. I didn't fucking know, I had no idea. The damage is already done though. Was like, as you were seeing her, she was dating? No, no, no. Okay. No, like okay. It, it was like a year, maybe a year and a half ago that she had dated this person oh, for I like see. two months. Yeah. It wasn't like that, that huge, like long of a period of yeah. them dating. But again, I didn't find out till I was like a month and a half in. I'm like, I already slept with this girl, like yeah. shit. But right when I found out, I wish I would have just made a phone call and really had like an honest conversation. It took me like probably like three weeks to have a conversation with that person. And I remember just feeling shitty about it 
not not the fact that I like I was innocent in the sense that like I just had no idea. Just was like I just was dating this yeah, girl. Totally. But once I Small found city. out, I wish I would have just tackled it head on and been like, hey, like I had no idea, man. You man, know? that's a really admirable character trait. I remember one of your ex girlfriends. Somebody might have matched with them on a dating site or something, and mm. in their research realized that she was with you at one point, and I think they called you and yeah. they said, hey. I had a brief conversation with this girl was going to maybe meet up with her, but found out this was your ex. So I'm going to stay away from it. I just want to let you know. Yeah. Like that's admirable. Super admirable. And I even told, I was like, I do not care. Like legit. But he was like, not happening. Yeah. And, and, and like, man, the integrity, like it's like compared to the person that slept with my ex after four years versus him. Yeah. That's a man. That's a boy. Right. Like dude, a hundred percent. That's, I can look at both of them. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, powerful trait. And I'm gonna get into that a little bit later with some, with my five rules. Okay. So, yeah, I'm gonna try to tie this all together. Okay, let's go. <laughs> uh, number <laughs> number five, uh, have your own opinion. Be informed. So this is something that I've been thinking about too. I find a lot of people don't think for themselves. They don't take the time to formulate their own thoughts. And my thoughts and opinions on this podcast have probably been like utter shit, but I try to have my own opinion on things. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, they just repost other people's shit. They'll repost a thing that this person, they'll just repost, never thinking for themselves, never sharing like their own thoughts on the topic. It's just so much easier to be like, I like how they think I'm just going to send it out there where it, it doesn't really like um, flex your own thought processes, you know, yeah. it's just so easy it's to be the like, easy thing to do. It's, it's the, the easy, lazy, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, man, even if somebody's super wrong about something, in my opinion, I would rather just see you say it, make an Instagram video, write a caption and you explain yourself on your own terms instead of just always like word vomiting other people's shit. Yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of cool. Like have your own opinion, be informed. It doesn't mean you have to always share your opinion, but have your own thoughts on things. Totally. Um, <laughs> number six, have a sense of humor, but not about your dreams. I thought that was kind of cool. You know, I think sometimes people are like, um, mm. yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to like fight in the UFC or whatever. Like who knows, you know, and it's like, they say it, but it's not really that confident or like, there's no conviction. Yeah. Like I'm going to get my master's degree if my dumb ass can pass school. Mm, right like yeah. it's like it's almost like this yeah no conviction you're almost like <laughs> laughing at yourself and so like you're kind of manifesting the fact that you probably can't attain that dream and he's like I, and he was he shared the example where you know him and his friends like they had a good sense of humor they'd always laugh but his one friend at one point because of this guy who made the, this list of rules he was like a really successful businessman and at at the age of 23 he already had five failed businesses because that's what you do you, you tr- like you trial and error right when you're young you don't have the the wisdom so he's trying a bunch of businesses they failed and his one friend was like kind of was like in passing ha like you know what are you gonna fail your sixth business kind of thing and it was a joke but the guy at age 23 was like whoa 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 he's like you are you are you mocking my dreams are you mocking like where i'm going in my life he's like do i mock you for going to school to be a lawyer like we don't do that you joke about anything else, but not my dreams. Mm. And he kind of stood his ground there and he said right there, he's like, oh yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm. Like that shit doesn't, doesn't fly with me. Interesting. So I kind of like that. Have a sense of humor, but not about your dreams. Take that shit seriously. That's your life. I've, I've kind of had a little bit of a mantra like that about myself of like, yeah, take what you do seriously without taking yourself and life too seriously. Yeah. You know, it's like, I like, it's like I, I, I want to train with real intent. 
I want to work with like real intent and, and be serious with my goals. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm still a speck of sand in this giant beach of life and right. I'm really not significant. Yeah. And you know, like laugh at, you know, have humility, but it's yeah. like, yeah, like have some fire under your ass for the things that mean something to you. Yeah. 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 I thought that was good. Um, <sighs> number seven, study the people who upset you and why. Um, so he kind of just talked about relationships with this one. Like I, I, you know, a lot of people, I think they, they get into the same relationship with the same type of person. Like maybe they're physically abusive or mentally abusive, but they keep getting attracted to that person Mm -hmm. or like maybe they cheat all the time. And he just said like, take a step back and study. Like, why is it that you keep getting drawn to these people? Mm -hmm. Is it something that happened in your past experience? Something with your parents, something with an old relationship that you had that's making you drawn to these like these types of people. So yeah, he just said like study the people. Um, Oh, uh, what the fuck was it that, that upset you and why Mm -hmm. there's one rule. Yeah. You'll, you'll see that it's, you know, maybe somebody keeps getting attracted to like recovering addicts. Maybe it's because as a child, their parents were addicts and they always had to like take care of their parents. So that's what's familiar and comfortable is, you know, trying to help someone all the time. Yeah. And then you always end up getting burnt and neglected and right. Yeah. Yeah, good good example. Number eight, stand up to bullies or you'll be a victim. This one's pretty obvious. Like we hear it all the time. Obviously, easier said than done. Especially when you're young, you're terrified of bullies. But the thing with bullies, they're weak and insecure. They're physically strong a lot of the times, but inside they're weak and insecure. So if you stand up once. You just stand your ground and try to put up a fight or you tell them to fuck off. They're probably never going to touch you again. You're too much of a hassle for them. Mm-hmm. They want they want a vulnerable prey. Yeah, yeah. They want a weak person like Chris Rock to slap. Yeah. Right. They want to bully someone that they know they can get yeah, away. It's not going to do anything back. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that was an obvious one, but I, I kind of like that. Have you ever gotten bullied when you were a kid or no? Never. Yeah. You were not that type of kid. Eh? No. I remember one time this big... Big tall redhead guy pushed me down a hill. Oh yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's <funny. laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I've ever been bullied. I think uh, at one point Jeff Karen was chasing me, but I I don't remember why. I don't remember what happened. I probably was being a shithead or something. Uh, uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, and then the other one was almost like the the reverse of like um, standing up to the bully. Uh, don't bully people below you. You know, um, if you like have a certain type of status, you're wealthy, you're a CEO, you have, you're a black belt to not like poke fun at people below you. Mm -hmm. It just, obviously it's a weak, insecure trait. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Hey, like when we see that, it's funny how they don't see it. Like the rest of the world that has half a brain sees that you're an insecure, weak, scared person. But like a lot of people, they'd be like, Oh, like look at this strong alpha male bullying weak people. I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's not alpha male. It's a weak bitch. He's scared inside. You know, he's got a lot of trauma and he's just putting it out on like weak victims. But yeah, once you get to a certain level to not like bully down. Yeah. You know, it's weird how we're so emotional. We like in our human nature, we we would like to think that we're very rational beings. Yeah. But it's interesting how emotions, how they can just make us a completely different version of ourselves. that at the time in the present moment, we can't control, we can't see. And in retrospect, you'd be like, who was I there when I yelled at that person? Right. And it's almost like a bully is they're almost like stuck in that 
emotion of insecurity or something where it's not just a one-time out leash you know it's right. it's like a common just way you you treat people it's, yeah it's yeah yeah it's weird how people like yeah to see someone that like is prey and they'll just fuck with them yeah you know like that's where they get their confidence from or false sense of confidence yeah um so yeah anyway uh number 10 learn how to tell a good story uh this one is, is huge. And like, I, I would love to get like really good at this. Um, and, and I think it's not only just for entertainment value, you know, you're with a group of friends and you're telling a funny story, but he said, even like in business, like, let's say you're trying to like relay a message and they're not fully understanding it. Sometimes mm -hmm. the best way to relay a message is through a story. People can relate with stories. That, that's that's why like Hollywood is so big. We love watching stories. We want to see a movie. We get valuable lessons of, of good character, bad character, scary stuff, inspiring stuff, funny. It's all storytelling. So he said the quicker you can get good at telling a good story, the better off you're going to be in your relationships, in your social circles, um, in business. So yeah, storytelling. Do you know what, with regards to business, I had a situation once it was, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but it was, uh, it was a conflict in a real estate situation where something, something bad happened. And it was something that I was going to have to bring up to my broker to get his opinion on it, to get him to kind of help out with the, with the negative situation. And I remember talking to my mentor at the time and we really gave it some thought on how to just, you know, uh, relay this message and put this scenario in a very simple way to my broker to get his opinion. And instead of being like, look, I had this client and he did this and, and this other person did this, like, what should we do? We, we put it in a very simple way and it was like, okay, there's a scenario and B scenario. Mm. Mr. Seller here does this and this happens on this other scenario. Seller B does this and this, and then it was a quick, simple solution. And mm. he had a quick answer. And after he was like, that was per, you know, like that was very simple. And I remember thinking it was just the way that we, um, portrayed it kind yeah. of as a story yeah. as like a, Hey, picture this, right? There's this, you know, and exactly. Uh, it made all the difference. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's, it's why we love a lot of podcasts. Like when you get a good storyteller, like that's, I posted that Aubrey Marcus thing. And that's one of the reasons I love that podcast so much. He had all these experiences and he would, he would, he just knew how to start at the beginning and take you on a journey. And by the time the podcast is done, I'm like, man, that was fucking awesome. Like he, you just get to go inside their brain and they take you on a fucking journey. Do you know who's one of my favorite storytellers? Who? Joey Diaz. Yeah. You know, yeah. he just paints this picture and you could picture him in 1996 on the street in Brooklyn. Right. And, you know, on Fifth Ave and 46th Street. Selling and, rocks. Like, yeah. <laughs> he just paints this picture. Yeah. And you're just engaged. It's powerful, man. It is. Storytelling. It's one of the oldest art forms in the book, right? Like fucking cavemen sitting around a campfire, like just that was thousands of years ago. That's all we had. Tell stories. Pass it down to the next generation. Um, uh, number 11, don't use porn to teach you how to have sex. So, I mean, shit, young, young men today, that's porn's killing it right now. And I think that's the, there's like a delusion there. Hey, like you, you watch porn, you think like, that's just how you, you got to get into sex right away. It's almost like don't use Instagram to show you what happiness is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, that's like a particular, I don't even want to say highlight reel. Cause yeah, I guess in some ways it's, it's a bit of a highlight reel, but they're missing so many steps to the pieces. Yeah. And I think if you're solely just basing it off watching 
porn, you're, you're going to be sadly mistaken when you're trying to like make love to someone and have a, a strong connection with someone. Sure. There's a time and a place where you might want to get a little <laughs> rowdy, but yeah, for the most part, probably not the best way to like learn how to have sex is from paid actors that like shoot steroids into their dick. A lot of the times I remember I saw a documentary where this guy was talking about that. He fucking was like injecting like, like some kind of steroid into his cock. So it would just stay like rock hard for like hours you know it's like it's not real do you know what i heard a uh, a female porn star on a podcast one time and she was saying you would be surprised how many of us female porn stars are on meth when we do wow pornos wow and she said it's uh yeah it's just it's a very yeah it's not the it's not the model to learn yeah making Damn, love is. that's dirty yeah um and then number 12, you don't marry a girl, you marry her family. So he, he kind of talks about how if you don't get along with their family, like get ready for an uphill battle. Yeah. It's going to be very challenging when you're trying to love someone and build a relationship and have kids with them when that family doesn't accept you. They don't want their daughter or their son to be with you. And so now there's going to be a lot of conflict too when the grandparents are watching your kids and they're like planting seeds being like, yeah, your dad's kind of a shady piece of shit. Yeah. Eh? You know? And so, yeah, you said like, keep that in mind when you're with someone, like if you don't get along with their family, like you, you better be prepared to like, you know, either it's going to end eventually and that's going to be the tipping point and the breaking point of the relationship, or you got to figure something out. Yeah. But you're not just marrying one person, you're marrying their family. Totally. And then back to one of the, your earlier lessons there is, if you try to, maybe you don't like hanging out with their family, you can't see yourself spending a lot of time with them, and then you try to take your partner away from them so you do less family stuff, again, mm. there's that resentment that yeah. starts to build because it's like, right. I'm not getting to see my family, you know, it's, yeah. it's a mess. Yeah. Um, number 13, don't complain all the time. You seem helpless and weak. This one's kind of obvious. Don't complain all the time. You seem helpless and weak. Yeah. That was the rule. Pretty yeah. straight, self-explanatory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean like you can't express like concerns and stuff, but like you almost have to like keep track of yourself and be like, fuck, am I the friend that is constantly like reaching out to people and just bitching and like complaining? It's an ugly trait. It's an ugly trait. Um, 14, be impressed by the right things. Um, again, pretty self-explanatory, but it's okay to like nice, like nice things, nice new home, nice cars, watches, like that, that's okay. But he said like, don't be so like, mesmerized or like impressed by those things be more impressed with like honesty um the ability to have like tough conversations um yeah just like the ability to like just be positive all the time like good character traits mm -hmm. like be more impressed with that than what people have on the outside yeah obviously yeah again nice things are nice but yeah to just be impressed by the right things mm -hmm. i'm just burning through these now um we're getting we're getting close to an hour and just, just to remind people, yeah, 20 rules for young men. That's yeah. what this list is. So and it's a very, and I'm going to, I'm going to go through the list just one by one without okay. just so that just to revamp it all. Um, so yeah, number 15, when talking to a successful person, talk less, ask more. Pretty obvious. But like, sometimes I think when people, especially when you're younger, you, you meet like a successful person in whatever field you feel like you need to impress them. And mm -hmm. so you start talking a bunch 
And then when that successful leaves you, that successful person leaves you, they're kind of like that motherfucker talked my ear off. It's annoying. Yeah. Whereas if you ask them a bunch of genuine questions, like be like, I'm like really intrigued. Like, how did you become a millionaire? Like, what's your backstory? Like, did your parents teach you this stuff? Like, where did you learn this? And now they get to like share a story with you and kind of talk to you. And then when they leave, they're gonna be like, that was a very like interesting young kid. Like he was asking me all sorts of questions. Like I feel a connection with that person. Totally. So yeah, when you meet a successful person, less talk, ask more. Yes. And listen more. And listen. Yeah. And I guess that comes with ask more. You yeah. don't ask a question, not fucking <laughs> Some people do. Yeah, some people do. Um, 16, have your own unique style. Um, so this is kind of like a, I think of like Russell Brand. Like super unique. That's like very like out there. Yeah. But it's him. He's got these loose ass shirts that like these V-necks and like sometimes he's got a fucking hat on with a million bracelets. Like it's it's not my style, but it's his. Yeah. And like some people, like depending on your height, your width, like how you look, you almost have to like find a style that like goes with your frame and, and just kind of be consistent with it. So people are like used to that style. Totally. Anyway, <laughs> 17, don't feel guilty for being ambitious. So I like this one. It's like everyone's mm -hmm. wired differently. And, and he was this entrepreneur that made the list was talking about how back in the day, like they would see like a Ferrari drive by and a lot of his friends were kind of like, fuck that guy. Like, you know, and then he's kind of like, yeah, like fuck that guy. But low key was like, I want a Ferrari. Like I want that. I yeah. want that lifestyle. Yeah. And eventually as he got older, he's like, I'm not apologizing for this. Like, this is how I'm wired. I'm wired to want to achieve a lot. And that's just, that's how it is. Some people are more complacent and a little bit more chill and relaxed with that. Other people are wired to like, like Tony Robbins to feed the world. Like they want these massive goals and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. As long as you're not like hurting other people in the process, yeah. like you can have all the ambition in the world, but just to not apologize for it. If that's how you're wired. That's how you're wired. Dude, that's an important one. And, um, naturally when you are ambitious, other people's insecurities, you are going to make people uncomfortable. You are going to make people feel weird and people question you and doubt you, but that's just, that's just part of it. Yeah. I, I remember this one time I was, uh, I was hanging out with a girl and I was just kind of tell, telling her about my ambitions and like what I wanted to accomplish in real estate. And she, yeah, she kind of ridiculed it in a way of like, oh, so you want to be better than other mm. people. You want to be better than average. And I, I couldn't get it's it a, across. It's a, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Better than average. And I couldn't get it across to her of like, it's me against me. Right. Like I want to be all that I can be. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to settle and fit in the middle, but it doesn't mean that I think I'm a superior person to other people. Right. It's just maybe my ambitions are stronger than the average person's. Yeah. And that's okay. And um, she just really had this mediocre mindset of mm. if you want to do good, you think you're better than other people and you're selfish. Right. And um, we just couldn't connect on that same level of thinking. It's like that whole idea of like never share big ideas to small minds. Yeah. They will try to zap you of those, those dreams immediately. Yeah. Like, hey, I want to I wanna do this, this, and this. They're like, oh, you'll never reach that status. Like, that's crazy. Like, you're from, you're from here with this background. Like, you'll never make it. Yeah. They just try to like suppress that big idea right away. And you know that whole E.T., Eric Thomas, like, you know, how bad do you want to be successful? Yeah. Like some people would rather sleep than be successful. Like you got to want it more than you want to breathe. All that shit. She would just despise that and mm. think of like, well, like I want to be the type of person that sleeps. Right. I'd be like, that's okay. But the person that wants to do more, like that's okay too. Exactly. And, um, 
yeah, that's just a really ugly trait because it makes you question yourself. Am I a bad person? Am I selfish because I want to like accomplish things? And then you end up living in a shell of yourself. Yeah. And then you you have shame. Yeah. And then you work hard with guilt. Right. And you kind of have to eventually shake out of it and be like, I can't, I can't take advice from every single person. Exactly. Yeah. And in the, and the, the opposite side of that is like, I had a stage when I, and I'm still like a little bit like that, like. I'm ambitious. I have goals. But when I first did van life, I just needed a reset. I need to chill. And I remember like the first like few months where I was like really chilling. I'm like, is this illegal? Like I felt shame and guilt because I'm not out there like fucking doing the nine to five thing and busting my ass. I just, I literally like needed like a mental de-stress for like a few months. And then, you know, then you get back on track. But I remember thinking like, is this okay? Like, why do I have fucking shame and guilt? For like not having these crazy ambitions yeah. right now. Like I literally just, point. I got out of all this sh- like debt and all this shit that I had going on in the relationship. And then I just was like, oh, I just need to chill. I need to gather myself. I need to read books, walk Layla and relax. But then all this guilt would come. I'm like, well, fuck, like I'm not, I'm not I working, doing something. I'm not working 12 hours a day. So like it, the, the reverse can be like, maybe, maybe you're not that ambitious and you should live a more chill, minimalist lifestyle. Totally. That's okay too. Totally. And so just kind of knowing how you're wired. Fuck, you got bright in here. Yeah. It's nice. It's that, it's that like hustle culture. Right. Yeah. And one, one more thing with that. It's, you just got to know yourself. Like maybe it's okay for you to just fuck around and work half days and that's, and that's okay. Right. But I remember too, I've always just been the type, you know, like when I'm a little kid watching TV, I'm doing push-ups and sit-ups and commercials. I'm always like have this extra drive, you know, and um, even, you know, family sometimes it's like you work too hard, right. you, you eat too healthy, you need to relax, like have a drink, like enjoy what you eat, like take and take some of that with a grain of salt because you don't want to overwork yourself. But at the same time, I'm the type of person who... I'm happy when I'm like on a mission right. and maybe not for my whole life, but at the certain point in my life when I'm on a mission and it feels right for me mm-hmm. and that's where I'm content and happy. If other people are like, you work too hard, you're eating too healthy, you're not relaxing enough. You, you don't always have to take that advice either because sometimes you know what's right for you. hundred percent. Especially yeah, if you're comfortable in your own body at that point, you kind of know what your ambitions are or like what you want to do and you're on a path, man, you don't have to listen to a goddamn person. Yeah. You just do your own thing. Yeah. You know? So yeah, people be real quick to tell you how to live your life. That's just it. Um, anyway, so it, number 18, be mentally and emotionally ready to lose loved ones. He said, he's like, man, I've seen so many times where like a, a, a younger person was just not prepared to ever lose their mother, their dad, their brother, their daughter, their dog, like these, these pe- people that were in their life that they had such strong bonds with and it destroys them. They start hitting the bottle more. They get, they go on antidepressants and just like, just flatline their life or whatever the thing they, they eat so much, they gain 400 pounds. You know, it's like it really like fucks their life up because they just never thought of pos- the, the possibility of them losing them. It's the memento mori. The Stoics were notorious for this. Like prepare yourself for death, not just yours, but other people's as well. Most definitely. And the one thing the guy, uh, the guy was talking about his own dad. So his dad was like, he was saying that when somebody dies, like you should, you should be happy. You should celebrate their, their life here. And so instead of like thinking of it being like a sad thing, like celebrate it, be happy about it. Fast forward like 20 years, the, the, 
his dad, his dad's mom died. And so now this, this little boy that was told to be like happy when somebody dies is now watching his dad that told him that being like, all right, motherfucker, let's put your money where your mouth mouth is. Let's see how happy you are now that your own mom died. And he's at the funeral and he's watching his dad and his dad is crying. There's tears going down his face, but he's smiling and he's genuinely like, you could tell it was like a, a smile of gratitude. And when he went up to do a speech at the funeral, he was like, I am grateful that I got to have a mother for 50 years of my life. Like I'm 50 right now. I had a, I had a mother for that long. Some people don't have a mother. Mm. He's like, I have 50 years of memories with that woman. Wow. He's like, I'm sad, but he's like, I'm happy. I'm grateful. And it was, it was a really powerful lesson for him being like, God damn, dad walks the walk. That's powerful. Powerful. So yeah, just mentally preparing for that. That was that huge and, it, and it's a hard thing to do who Super wants to hard. meditate on their mortality on their family's mortality on their wife's you know yeah i've been doing it with layla lately like i've been kind of yeah. talking about in the episode like i know she's on her last stretch yeah. right so I'm, I'm trying to mentally prepare just being like she I'm, you're gonna put her down i'm gonna have to literally just have her in my arms i'm gonna get a vet to come to the van inject whatever they inject into her and put her down no more dog walks empty you know like it's it's quiet nothing is forever man yeah man so it's like just mentally preparing so it doesn't just fucking crush you yeah um this one's kind of random but number 19 always have cash and condoms on you so you just said like sometimes you get in a bind like maybe like you're there's no debit machine you need cash like cash is kind of like one of those older financial things that you can just use although now it's like some places won't even take a 50 dollar bill it's like well, i have money i want your fucking product you take the money yeah um and then condoms yeah i don't know maybe like you go out and you, you meet a lovely lady and you go back and you got no condoms well now what it's kind of like an analogy of like be prepared have a yeah. backup plan like stay ready be prepared yeah, yeah. uh now number 20 be aware of your level of sensitivity. What offends you? Uh, either get it together and like get tougher or set boundaries based on that. Will Smith, Jada, right? Like how sensitive are you? If, if you knew that you were like that sensitive and you're about to go to an award show with a comedian that you know is going to roast you, don't go. Or don't sit in the very front row. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you, you kind of have to know yeah. yourself and you have to know what you can take. Yeah. And you just said when you're younger and somebody maybe challenges an idea and it like offends you and you feel like these sharp pokes of like, oh, I don't like how they fucking just did that to me. Like I, I, I said my opinion or my thought on it and they question it. That's okay. But you have to like almost like develop a stronger sensitivity mm-hmm. and just feel those emotions. Like when you say something and someone disagrees with you and it stings a little, just feel it. It's okay that it stings a little, but just know that that's something that maybe pokes your trigger a little bit mm-hmm. and you just kind of slowly develop thicker skin. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of quickly review, I'm just going to burn through it. 20 rules for young men. Number one, know the difference between lust and love. Two, it's okay to go to the movies alone. Three, hygiene. Four, never date a friend's ex. Five, have your own opinion, be informed. Six, have a sense of humor, but not about your dreams. Seven, study the people who upset you and why. Eight, stand up to bullies or you'll always be a victim. Nine, don't bully people below you. 10, learn how to tell a good story. 11, don't use porn to teach you how to have sex. 12, you don't marry a girl, you marry her family. 13, don't complain all the time. You seem helpless and weak. 14, be impressed by the right things. 15, when talking to a successful person, talk less, ask more. 16, have your own unique style. 17, don't feel guilty for being ambitious. 
18, be mentally and emotionally ready for losing loved ones. 19, always have cash and condoms on you. 20, be aware of your level of sensitivity. What offends you, either get it together or set boundaries. I love it. It's kind of cool. So I, I know we're like running out of time and fuck man, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't think it would take that long to burn through those. I wanted to ask you like if there is something that, do you want to keep going? Yeah, but we're, we're in no major rush. Let's man. do it. I wanted to ask you, would you, would you have anything to add? Like if you were, if you were thinking about like, like a list of three or maybe five things for young men, like what would you add to that? And if you can't think of something, I I made a list of my own five things. Um, and to give you a little bit of a, so even for people listening, this is actually, so I did this myself and I have my list flips up, uh, flipped upside down here. This is actually a really good practice. I sat down, got a pen and paper, and I was like, what are five things that I wish I had when I was younger? What are five things that I was maybe lacking that really would have benefited me when I was younger? And I started from there, and then I kind of was like, oh, like I, I could have used this. I could have used this lesson. I, this would have helped me. Mm-hmm. And then you just start like writing a list, though. And then you're like, okay, like that's, that's sweet. Maybe that's something when you have kids, you can trickle down to them. You can give them, you can give them those things that you didn't have. Yeah. Some, some things that just are starting to come to mind and maybe they can kind of draw into some of the things you said already, but I'm again thinking for young men is like, don't like look for failure. Like don't be afraid to fail and try things. You Mm -hmm. know, I think when we're 20, we feel like we have to figure out what we want to do with our lives and we just need to get on something. But it's like, I really feel like from 18 to 30 travel, try different jobs, Yeah, like do everything. Life is longer than you think. Yeah. Hey? Yeah. Like when you're like in your twenties, you're like, I need a career now. I need to like f- figure this shit out now. Yeah. You're 19. You go to the store, someone calls you sir. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. I need to have every life figured out now. I'm a, yeah. I'm a man. I'm an adult. Yeah. And so, in, that, in that think and grow rich, he said, most people don't, don't stumble upon like financial success till they're 50 and up. Yeah. 50 and up. Yeah. So, so like we're like 25 years old being like, fuck, like I'm not a millionaire yet. You're like, yeah, nobody is Yeah. like, it's super rare. Yeah. But in our head, we just need to be like an immediate success. Totally. And, and, and you know, another thing, a couple things coming to mind here, you know, don't worry about what people think of you, you know, in life, you're either yourself and maybe it takes a while to find yourself, but you're yourself or you're a version that you think people will like. Mm. And either whichever one of those you choose, there's going to be people that like you and that don't like you. So why wouldn't you be yourself and stop being so concerned about pleasing the people that aren't there for you anyways? Right. So it's like, you know, if you like tattoos, get tattoos. You know, if you, if whatever it is, if you like to dress a certain way, it's like, don't, life's too short to worry about what other people think of you. Another one is, um, um, I don't want to lose this one because this one came good when you're young um oh yeah don't grow up too fast like i think we should always keep that inner child in us Mm. you know i think um again around that age of you know 19 20 21 we feel like we need to sometimes just be a grown-up and we stop doing the things that we we love you know like like sometimes you know I'll, i'll be 31 years old ripping on a skateboard and i'll just be like I am that same kid still, right? You know, I'll be wearing a business suit going to meet with like executives of a business and I'll be like, I'm still that young kid that plays hockey and goes to the skate park and likes having a Slurpee. That's just me. And I think it's important to just to keep that in you in in a sense, because, um, 
when we just build this shell over ourselves and be like, oh, I'm too grown up, life life's not about having fun anymore. It's um, it's, it's almost, a big mistake. It's almost like when people retire and you, and you act retired. Like you, you don't do anything anymore. Yeah. You die sooner. Yeah. You will die sooner because you start to like embody what, like a, a, someone who has no purpose. You're not doing anything anymore. Yeah. And it's almost like that similar sense where it's like once you hit 21, oh, I'm an adult now. So I, now I need to have everything figured out and I need to be serious and I need to have my shit together. Yeah. But it's like, no, you're fucking, you're still a child. Like my dad was saying when he was like 55, we had a conversation. He's like, I still feel like you. I feel like I'm a fucking young kid still, but yeah. I just got this old ass body now. Yeah. Right. Like it's like, I don't think that ever leaves. I think your brain always just views itself as that same childlike person. It's just, you got adult responsibilities. And I think one way to keep that childlike thing is to do things like skateboarding, to try to do the things that you did when you were younger mm -hmm. to almost like keep that youthfulness or like maybe try something new. And that's what I love about jujitsu. When after high school, do you get to do somersaults, yeah. cartwheels, slap someone's hand and wrestle, give them a hug and wrestle like a kid. Right. It makes me feel like I'm a youth. It keeps that youth fire in me. Yeah. And maybe one more thing just off the top of my head is, um, keep perspective. You have to start somewhere. I feel like when people are in their early twenties, they feel like they're too, there's too much shame. Let's say that it's time to get their first house. They only want the $450,000 house so that they look like they have a nice house. They don't want to buy the house on the west side for 200,000 right. that they have to fix up. You know, you're 16, you um you want to get the car that's pretty cool. You won't you don't want to drive that $1500 hoopty that has, you know, 290,000 right. kilometers on it. Realize that we all have to start somewhere and there's no shame in having the entry level stuff before you get the good stuff. Yeah. Especially when you put it, like you were saying, perspective, like we talked about how like if you're making above 30 grand a year, you're in the top 1%. Like yeah. most people don't have a car. They never will have a car. Most people don't have a home. They never will have a home. And so you're like pissing, get all mad that you don't have the $500,000 a house in Stonebridge yeah. with a BMW. Be fucking happy with whatever house and shelter you have. Yeah. And, and enjoy start, enjoy grinding, enjoy yeah. eating shit, having that rusty car and living in that you know, sketchy apartment, yeah. like enjoy With that. A bunch come of roommates. Yeah. Because what happens is when they're the types of people who stretch themselves out, get cosigns and just so they can look like they have a right. nice house and a nice car. Those people aren't happy. No, those people are living to pay the bills and life will punch them in the face sooner or later. And then they'll have to start over at a later yeah. age. Yeah, I'd rather be rich and financial free than appear to be. Yeah. You know, appearing to be financially successful is a whole lot different than actually being it. Yeah. So like a lot of people, like even in Saskatoon, you drive down Spadina in certain areas, like in City Park, those like little houses, they've probably been paid off for a long fucking time. Yeah. Those people are chilling on equity. Yeah. But then you go to like Stonebridge, these nice big new houses, people are like in debt. They're probably paycheck to paycheck panicking, but they got a nice big house with granite countertops. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's like the millionaire next door. Yeah. We talk totally. a lot about that. And I know like my first house, for example, with a friend. I didn't want to like post a picture on social media. I wasn't like pumped about this house. It mm. was in a sketchy neighborhood and it like had different color siding and it was, it could be an, an embarrassing people like, Oh, like that's where you live. But, but I knew I was like, this is just the start. Right. Like, I will not be judged or care that this is my start because you know what? I didn't ask for anything and right. I saved up and just see me in five, 10 years. Yeah. And not that seeing me in five or 10 years matters. Right. Don't be scared to start small. Yeah.
It's funny how like on social media, like, bro, I had, I had a bit of that feeling posting what I posted yesterday about love. There was a little part of me that was like, this is fucking some sissy shit. Like, I don't want to post this. Like, there was like a part of me where I'm like, why don't I want to post something about love? And like, and even the word like loving yourself unconditionally. I think I've heard it so many times from like certain like spiritual people like online where I'm like, just shut the fuck up. Yeah. But then I just was like, I, I, and if I felt really good when I posted it, I feel like on Instagram, I, w- I went away from what I used to do where I, I used to just like, I would learn something in a book or a podcast and I would like, again, going back to one of his rules, have your own opinion. I would think about it for myself. I would try to attach my own stories to it. And then I, I enjoyed that thought process and the writing process. And I got away from that. I just was like, oh, like I'm just, I don't want to share that on. No one gives a shit about that on Instagram. And I'm like, I don't care what people think about yeah. on Instagram. This is my Instagram. You're in my house right now. Yeah. If you come to my page, it's my house. You get what I put out there. Yeah. You get whatever food I'm fucking serving. Yeah. Don't come by if you don't want to. That's a great way to say it. But yeah, I was just like, I want to post about love. Okay? Like it or don't. Yeah, I'm going to open my heart and here's and five paragraphs for you. Bro, it felt good. Yeah. I, I, don't even, I didn't even know if it was going to be a good post for other people. To, or I didn't care. I'm like, oh, that felt nice. I had a thought. I wrote it out. I was happy with it. Posted it. Felt good after. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I still got to read it, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will today, I promise. Um, okay, so I'm going to just share mine. Yeah. And then we'll wrap this up, but this might take a little while. It's going to be a longer podcast. Okay. Um, so yeah, I wrote down five. Five lessons for basically like my younger self, not just like young men. Um, number one, learn and practice having uncomfortable conversations. Man, I can't believe how many times I've, I've shied away from having difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a really good one. Yeah, that's man. A really good one. For everything, for friendships. Like if a friend slighted you and they did something to you to be able to be like, Hey man, I don't like what you did here. Like, can we talk about this? Like, is there a way that that can't happen again? Like we need to have a conversation instead of resenting them because you bottled it up or like a loving partner, like in a relationship like just to have the conversations like maybe they did something on social media that bothered you and you just never talk about it have the fucking conversation the have, right thing to do isn't always the easiest thing to do yeah man and in business i'm sure you get it all the yeah. time where it's like there's like there's a lot of money on the line a lot of emotions it's like having those difficult conversations and just clearing the air right away will help you move forward and lo and behold people are going to respect you more because you had the fucking balls to bring it up like half the time you think it's going to protect you in some way by not bringing it up. But no, people are just going to view you as a, sh- a piece of shit, like kind of shady. Whereas if you bring it up, they're like, fuck, at least he like, he, he, he came face to face with us. Gotta respect conversation. it. Gotta, Gotta respect, respect it. it. Get the elephant out of the room. Yeah, man. So yeah, that was my first thing that came to mind. Cause I struggle with that, man. I struggle still to this day. We all do. We all do. And I, I just, I, I think that the younger you are, that's why I like debate clubs. I've never been to one, but I, I've, I've heard people talk about it and I've, I've seen like little clips on YouTube. That's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. At an early age in high school, there's a topic and you get to like debate back and forth. I think Ben Shapiro was actually like a huge debate club type I'm guy. Sure. So like he has that ability to just be in the heat of the moment in that fire and still like keep his cool for the most part. Yeah, he's great. At powerful that. skill. Uh, number two, have goals. Whether they're big or small, 
I wish I would have made more goals for myself when I was younger because it would have helped me channel my energy to the future. It would have helped me propel forward Mm -hmm. instead of being like a drifter. Yeah. Um, I was just drifting in and out of things without any kind of thought process to where my future was going. Interesting. And I think if you don't have those goals, your future could look a little bit scary because you haven't been working towards something. So I, I needed, again, even if they're small, like something that you're remotely interested in, like make a goal or just whatever, small or big, have goals so that you can put your energy to the future. Uh, number three, get good at something, even if it's one thing. The sooner you can get good at one thing, the sooner you have the blueprint and the understanding of how to get good at other things. That's really good too. Yeah. I know I gave this some thought. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, just everybody knows like this is, I don't know if this is an enjoyable podcast for people, but I don't like a lot of the shit that we talked about on former episodes. And I had like a powerful like realization the other day where I need to get back to my roots of talking about shit that I actually care about Mm. and, and like giving it proper thought and actually trying to express it in the ways that I want to express it. So yeah, from here on out, I'll probably be doing more stuff like this. I like it. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, number three was get good at something because you have the blueprint to get good at other things. Uh, number four, do very difficult things, prepare yourself for life's challenges. I think the sooner you can overcome, like, man, your jujitsu competition, not only did you go to compete at purple belt, but you had a fucking suspect rib that was about to blow out. Like that's, those are fucking challenging things. We're not just physically challenging, but mentally knowing like, should I just back out of this? Should I have to make a bold decision? You have to make a bold decision and you have to push through stuff. Fuck these participation trophies. Get that the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. Life's not like that. If you keep getting used to like, just receiving shit that you didn't earn, life is going to punch you in the face. Mm -hmm. You're going to start a business and be like, well, where's all the money? Well, your business sucks. You didn't learn that in school because you just got handed trophies for just showing up. Mm-hmm. Life's not like that. You don't get shit for just showing up. Yeah. You need to put work in. You need to have like everything in order to like make something work. Yeah. And so like I think the more we can do challenging things, whether that's martial arts, that's a great thing to do it. Um, sports. I, I feel like sports is a really good thing just because I understand it. That's kind of what I grew up doing. It's wrestling, numero uno, that's mm-hmm. that's a grind. Yeah. But just overcoming challenges, cold plunges, whatever. Yeah. Do challenging things early on to prepare you for life. Yeah, seek discomfort. Number five, stay focused. In a world of distractions, focus is the key. And one way to stay focused is constantly like meditating on your goals. Again, whether they're small or big, yeah. I just think it will help you stay on track and stay focused and not be a drifter. Again, when you look at the news, And I think that's what kind of pulled me away from what I like to do and what I like to talk about. I got, I, my focus was altered because the the news was like poisoning my mind and it was almost drawing me into this vortex of wanting to talk about every new thing. Like, bro, it drives me crazy how many fucking hashtags every goddamn week there is. It's just another thing to care about or pretend to care about and hashtag and make a post about this. Fuck all that, man. Have your goals, have the things you're into and stay focused. Mm -hmm. So those are my five. Love it, man. Yeah. Really love it. I think that's providing value for sure. (laughs) There is one other thing. This is a bonus and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. (laughs) Control your nut. So I just finished 30 days of like no nut. It's almost like that no nut November. (laughs) And I think... The reason, so one of the things that I kept thinking about was like, man, this is like a, this is a powerful thing for young men. Cause I think a lot of people are controlled and they, they, they do things 
they act based on thinking with their cock. Like they like the lust and love thing. You think you're in love, but it's just lust. You're just trying to like get laid. And so you'll do these, you'll lie to women, you'll lie to friends, you'll just do shady things because you can't control your own sexual urges. And so I think it's a powerful skill to be able to not suppress it, but harness that energy and control it better. You'll probably not sleep with the wrong person more often. Like how many times have you woke, like people woken up being like, oh shit, I fucked up last night. Or like you knock a girl up, she's pregnant because you couldn't fucking think straight because you didn't wear a condom because you weren't prepared. One of the other fucking rules, yeah. right? So I just was like, I wanted to get, there's a bunch of things that I like got from the 30 days of no, no nutting, but I just wanted to talk about just the idea of being able to not need to watch porn, to masturbate, to have sex, to not be so like controlled yeah. by your cock. Yeah. Right. Like they always say like, oh, he's thinking with his cock. It's a legit thing. Yeah. Like sometimes they will be like, before you go, uh, go on a date with someone like, like masturbate. And then see what, how much you're into that person. Cause if you're, if you're super horny, men will do fucking shady things based off that. Totally. And do you know what? I think females are capable of this too, but yeah, you could just, yeah, you're just dialed in your, you, you want to be around this person and then you both finish or something and you're like, get out of here. Yeah. Like don't call, it, call an Uber like, now. It's uh, and do you know what? The 48 laws of power, the one, the one law, you know, guard your reputation with everything. Mm. When people are young, you know, when you're a young single guy or girl for that matter, it's so easy, especially nowadays to, to sleep around. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to realize that. And, and you know what? I slept around, uh, you know, we I, all have I'm, phases. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not innocent with this, but pick and choose. Don't jump on every opportunity to right. hook up with somebody because it takes your value down yeah. in life. If you're somebody that anybody can get and everybody's had a piece of, you don't have a lot of value. Right. But if if you know people desire you and you say no and you you make choices that aren't with your cock all the time and you're choosy, um, there's power to that. Yeah. Well, it's like your watch. There's not a whole lot of those. There's a reason there's a lot of value on them. Everyone's got a Nixon watch. Yeah. No one cares if you wear a Nixon watch. It's not the same thing. Like there's, there's like value in people that like protect their, their cock or their vagina. It's kind of like this thing where it's like, oh shit, you're unique. You're strong. Like you have, you have strong character traits. If you've been able to like dodge that many cocks flying your way, right? Like it's kind of like supply and demand. It's yeah. like there's, there's low supply of you if you're not giving it out to everybody. Yeah. So more people demand you and not just demand you to sleep with you, but maybe right. they respect you more right? because you have more integrity and you, you know, you guard your character more. You yeah. Have more self-control. Yeah. yeah. And it's not saying that like sleeping around is a bad thing. It just comes back to my, my rule. Number one, learn how to like have uncomfortable conversations, like express what you're actually intending to do. Are you just trying to like hook up? That's fine. A lot of women are going to be like, fuck yeah, that's all I want too. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you're like misleading and you're like saying, Oh, I love you. Like we're going to do this and this and this, but you're just trying to bust a nut. That's where it's fucked up. Yeah. You know, I can, I can say that's one thing I've never done was even when I was in my sleeping around stages was mislead people. Mm. I was, I've never would look at myself as a player. Right. I'd never say something to get laid yeah. that, um, you, you know, had like false intent. Right. I was always try to be as upfront as I could about what was, what was happening here. And I uh, just try not to be like a, a sleazeball, a yeah. liar. You know? Right. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's it for me, buddy. That might be the longest episode we've ever done. Is it? Probably an hour and a half, eh? Something like that. It was good, though. I like that list concept. It helps uh, conversation. And, and again, I, I really do think it provides value. It makes, like you sat down and thought about what your answers are. I think if, if somebody's listening to this, it can make you think, you know? For sure, man. And that, again, this is the type of content that I content that I want to like talk about. And I'm going to be doing this like more on my Instagram too, man. I got away from like what I, like who I am. Like I got like poisoned over the pandemic. Like I just felt like this weird pull and it doesn't mean like we're not always going to talk about certain things, but for the most part, man, this is what I would rather talk about. Yeah. Valuable stuff that can actually make an impact if you're like a, and this isn't even for young people, but just anybody, they might hear that list and be like, you know what? I got to get, I got to fucking learn how to have hard conversations. Yeah. I got to practice that more. I got to do this or that. So yeah, this is the type of shit that I like talking about. Well, especially if it's stuff that we can personally relate to, like, you're going to be 34 this year. I'm going to be 33 this year. We're not 20 year old kids anymore. We both, you know, have traveled. We've done a lot of different, you yeah, know, started businesses, stuff like that. And, uh, and also we, we, we've read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts and that that's not saying that, Hey, we have lots of information, but it's, it might be different information than what other people have taken in. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's some different perspective, I guess. And that man, that's, that's like, I, I feel like that's one of my, like, almost purposes like I, I i really enjoy gathering information and sharing it doesn't mean that i have to like live it like like you said like we read books listen to podcasts if i can hear that and then formulate my own opinion on it and then express it i love doing that yeah it's a joy for me it's like martial arts once i learn a technique and i learn something i i, I like to share it i want to teach the martial art technique so philosophy and these ideas are no different. That's all I'm trying to do is like gather information and then just try to share it as best as I can. Yeah, we're not special by any means, but especially when you run it through, when you personalize it, it becomes unique in its own way too. Yeah, it's like this thing, have your own opinion. Yeah. You know, so it's like I'll, I'll have lists like this on episodes, but always attached with my own thoughts on it. And then yeah. again, hearing your own thoughts. Yeah. I hope I didn't, I feel like I blabbered more than you because I was reading off this list and I gave it more thought, but hopefully you got your well, fair Well, I share. talked the whole first half of the podcast. That's fair. But, <laughs> yeah. All right. Good episode, chat with you, buddy. Yeah, that was fun. Episode 56. Thanks for listening.